Welcome everyone to The Mashroom Show, the place to come for landlords who need help and advice with insurance, tenant finding, mortgages, rent collection, and a whole lot more. This is a pre-recorded show, but we will be going live at the end with our panel to take your questions, so just drop them in and we will get to them in a little while. I'm Rob Smith, and today I'm delighted to welcome back property litigation solicitor and head of dispute resolution, Adrian McClinton, who's going to be talking about rent-to-rent schemes. We've touched on them before, and whether or not they can actually put your property at more risk. As always, we'll also be joined by some of our Mashroom team who'll be talking about how Mashroom can help you at a time when there's an ever-increasing squeeze on landlords. Many, as we know, are choosing to abandon the sector altogether. Now, rent-to-rent might sound like a bit of a dream for many landlords who've got plenty of other things on their plate. Your property is taken over by a managing agent or a company and they guarantee the rent for you. And they sort out the finding the tenants and the managing the property and everything. But is it really as great for you as it sounds? What's the catch? Well, before we speak to Adrian about all of that, don't forget you can follow Mashroom any number of different ways on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And you can join our private Facebook community where you can share your experiences, ask questions and get the support and answers that you need. We'll also be sending out a recording of this webinar as well as a review request. We'd really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review. If our conversation does spark an idea or a question that you want to share, then you can do that via the Facebook community page. Our expert team will be responding until four o'clock. Loads to get stuck into, so let's not muck about anymore and get straight into it. Right, well, so our first guest today is Adrian McClinton, property litigation solicitor. And you may remember he joined us back in March talking about uh, some of the risks that are involved if you choose to try and flip your property from a residential uh, let to holiday let. But today he's joining us to talk about something else, uh, rent to rent arrangements. Now, let's just briefly talk through exactly what that is, first of all, so mm. we're clear exactly on what we're what the parameters are. What is rent to rent? Well, rent-to-rent is a type of model that's gained a bit more popularity uh, in the market. To be clear what it is, property owner Mm -hmm. normally rents their property uh, as a a buy-to-let to to individual or individuals that use the property as their only or principal home. Mm -hmm. Pretty much a bog standard Mm -hmm. buy-to-let. Rent-to-rent scheme is where the property owner instead rents the property to an individual or a limited company and then that company, I'm going to call them operators mm-hmm. for the purposes of this uh, conversation, the operator then sublets, typically sublets the rooms individually to tenants mm-hmm. on assured shorthold tenancies and you can see where the margin is. So if the operator is getting the property property on a normal tenancy, they're making the margin on each individual room. Right, okay. So the long and the short of it is that you as the landlord, you say to Mr. Bloggs, great, I'm going to let you manage my property and you give me a guaranteed income every month and you get all the hassle. You, you have to do all the work and you have to arrange people going in and out and I just take the money. So therefore, it's a great bargain. That's the, that's, that's the idea, isn't that, it? I think what you're describing is a perfect world or perhaps a, a unicorn scheme or something like that. Um, that's typically how they're presented mm-hmm. or marketed, if you like, by the operators. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the reality is somewhat different from okay. that, I think. So let's get into the reality let's of it that. then. Let's, let's, do, let's that. do that. So somebody is tempted by the idea of going down the rent-to-rent -rent route. What do they need to think about? Well, there are many things that they need to think about. First of all, if you're looking at it from a legal perspective, and I'll get on to the actual agreement between mm -hmm. the property owner and the operator in a minute, but if they're looking at how they own their property, mm -hmm. they need to, first of all, consider what are the mortgage conditions that they have if they've got borrowing on that property. The likelihood is that the mortgage will stipulate what type of agreement the property owner can enter into. Mm -hmm. It's likely to read that if they're going to let the property out, they have to let it as an assured shorthold tenancy. So that's the first consideration. Mm -hmm. The second consideration is, follows on from that really, is the insurance that they have. The likelihood is that the insurance will stipulate the type of tenancy that the property owner can enter into. And finally, it's the, the agreement that they would enter into with the, uh, with the operator. Mm -hmm. A lot of these agreements, and I've seen uh, numerous agreements, I've acted for property owners that have wanted to terminate uh, a rent-to-rent -rent agreement. And a lot of these agreements are very badly drafted, um, perhaps deliberately so, from tend to be weighted very much in the favour of operators as well, making it very difficult to terminate these agreements. And in terms of the, the, the kind of the practicalities of it, you can find yourself in a situation where, uh, so local authorities, for instance, they want to mm -hmm. know if you're if it's an HMO, if it's a house Correct. of multiple occupation. And if you're renting your house out to somebody who then turns it into an HMO without letting the local authority mm. know, that can cause serious bother. Absolutely. So I, before I talked about the, the model itself and where the margin comes for the operator, mm -hmm. and more often than not, it will be turning a property into a HMO, mm -hmm. which requires more often than not licensing within certain parameters and uh, it is then the operators or what you hope is the operator's obligation to obtain the right licensing to carry out the right works to the property to ensure that it's safe to use as a HMO. Mm -hmm. Now it may or may not be clear from the agreement between the property owner and the operator as to who, whose obligation that is, whether it's even an obligation under the, the agreement itself. And we actually mentioned on the Mushroom Show a couple of months ago about a particular individual in central London who was in exactly that situation, ended up being fined £11,000 by the mm. local authority. Now, he claimed that the operator hadn't fully informed him, mm. but was told by the local authority when it went through the tribunal was that, no, it's your responsibility. You're the landlord. It's your responsibility, come what may. Yeah, in that particular case... Um, effectively, the, the subtenant, so the individuals that are occupying each particular room mm -hmm. on a short total tenancy, skipped their direct landlord and, and uh, along with the local authority, brought a claim against the head landlord, the property owner, mm -hmm. you know, the type of people that, that are watching this video right now, mm -hmm. and pursued them for the failure to put in place the right HMO licence. So very concerning because the, the property owner doesn't 
no longer has control of the property an, anymore, mm -hmm. and yet they're being lumbered with the, the obligations and the requirements to comply with the regulations in place. Does it make any difference whether we're talking about somebody who's actually got the freehold of a house or the leasehold of a flat? It does, yeah. So as well as the mortgage consideration that I talked about before, um, a lot of leases will stipulate the type of subtenancy that a property owner can enter into, a bit like the mortgage conditions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those leases will state that a property is not to be used uh, as a, a house of multiple occupation, and any agreement that's entered into needs to be with one joint party, and also for residential purposes. And finally, you may even have the obligation to only enter into an assured shorthold tenancy, which means that a property owner could be in breach of their lease conditions as well as their mortgage conditions. And that can put you in serious bother then? It can. So I've acted for freeholders that have uh, had to take action against leaseholders that have been using the property in this way which is in breach of the uh, terms of the lease. All right, okay. I mean, I think we've piled up a, a fair number of uh, significant things that mm. people need to be aware of. Is there anything we've missed out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think that what the rent, a rent-to-rent -rent scheme could work mm -hmm. for a property owner, but in very limited circumstances. Um, the pr it will probably only work where the uh, property owner owns the property outright and the property itself is uh, within an area that doesn't uh, doesn't require HMO lic licensing or it's clear within the agreement whose obligation it is to obtain those licenses and and without any sort of lending against the property as well. Okay, so are, are there any circumstances where you would say to somebody, actually, no, this is a good deal, I'd go ahead with it? Uh, there might be where we have those limited circumstances in place and without a shadow of a doubt it's very important that if anyone is considering handing over their most prized asset that they have to another individual or limited company that they carry out due diligence on that individual, the limited company, and they ensure that they get the right legal documentation in place so that it's absolutely clear whose obligation it is to do what. Okay, lots to think about. Adrian, thank you ever so much for being with us again. Adrian McClinton. Thank you. Well, joining us back in the studio now once again is Paul Champlina from Landlord Action, answering some questions from our private uh, Landlord Facebook community. Uh, Paul, thanks ever, ever so much for, for being with us. So, so let's just be clear again. Landlord Action, you're a law firm that, that helps landlords with problem tenants. We so. are, yes. We're a regulated law firm. We are uh, the emergency plumbers for landlords. You don't want to call <laughs> us, but you know where we are. You know it's going to cost you a little bit of money, but we get your property back. But hopefully you'll save a bit of money We will as save well. money. Don't, any, uh, any message to landlords out there. Now, I issued my first possession claim in uh, 1991. I know mm -hmm. I don't look old enough, but 1991, 32 years ago. Now issuing a claim, going to court, is the hardest thing it's ever been. Really, really complicated. And landlords are still trying to do it themselves. It's, it's got, and one mistake, it gets... Get, case gets thrown out, you're back to square one. So, you know, always use a regulated firm of solicitors. Right, okay. So, let's take a look at a couple of questions that have popped up on our, 
our landlord community on Facebook. One of our uh, landlords says that they have a tenant that won't allow them to carry out an annual inspection. So right. as a landlord, what are, the, what are the rules there? Are you allowed to make sure you have an inspection? So look, as a good landlord, and obviously all the mushroom landlords are good landlords because they're, obviously they're, they're, they're signed up to your community. This is all about education. Self-management is really difficult. It's really time consuming. You need to make sure you get it right. And you're trying to protect your, your, your biggest asset, which is property. As a landlord, you have to carry out an annual inspection. You've got your gas safety, you've got your EPC electrical performance certificate, you've got your inventory, your check-in, mid-term, check-out, yeah? So you have to do uh, inspections, and the whole point of an annual inspection, normally a term of a tenancy is one year or six months or whatever, is to see that the property is in a good state, that the tenant is looking after it. Mm -hmm. Also, it should be used with regard to lines of communication with regard to the tenant are they happy because the, the name of the game is you want your tenant who's your customer who's paying your rent and paying more rent than ever before you want your tenant to feel comfortable in your property and that property is their home so the more they see it as their home the longer they're going to stay there that's what Atlanta wants so inspections and gaining access is really quite difficult a lot of time you know uh, and and it's really hard for obviously self-managed landlords so making sure that you go at a reasonable time, not an unreasonable time, making sure it's very clear, whether it's an email or a WhatsApp, there's a lines of communication which back you up to say that I want to come and do my annual inspection, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and obviously you have numerous, numerous terms and clauses in a tenancy agreement, okay? A lot of them are, are unenforceable actually, okay? Well, 24 hours next uh, notice, I'll be coming here at six o'clock on Thursday the 27th for blah, 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 blah. Can you confirm that you'll be here, okay? Mm -hmm. Because as a landlord, you should not be letting yourself into a property without the tenant's consent or the tenant not being there because they can make lots of accusations. Uh, and we've seen lots of that over the years. So once the tenant's consented, ideally put something in writing, you go along there, whether you wanna go along with a witness or a workman or whatever, just to go to the property. You should obviously have an inventory. You know, maybe that inspection could be called a mid-term inspection, mm -hmm. okay? But making sure you're fully compliant with all the legal documentation you've got to comply with, i.e. under the deregulation act. Is it, is it worth a landlord trying to put themselves in the mindset of a tenant as to why they might be worried about having an inspection? Yeah, I've, I've looked, the, look, I've done, been doing TV for over 20 years and people know me from Nightmare Tenants, Lum Landlords. We go into properties and you've got tenants that are subletting. You've got tenants that are growing cannabis there. You have prostitution. You have all these different things happening at a property. Actually, property in the private rental sector is civil, it's not criminal. It's very easy for people to, be, to make money out of a property. Okay, making sure your rent's paid on time and the property's being looked after and there's no complaints because mm -hmm. I have a famous saying, with no news is good news as a landlord, you know, as long as your rent's being paid. If the tenant's not giving you access and you've been asking and making loads of obviously requests, then that is a red flag. Why won't they let you go to the property, okay? You're there as a landlord, you wanna make sure everything's working. You know, you need to make sure the compliances are working, that everything's up to date and make sure that their, 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 their hot water's working and their heating's working and everything that is happening and the maintenance of a property, you as a landlord making sure that's up to speed, but you can't find out if it's up to speed if you can't go to the property, mm -hmm. okay? 
And, you know, maybe they might have done some damage or, you know, they are renting out a spare room. So, you know, I, I think, you know, most genuine tenants will let you come in and do an inspection because, of course, you've also got to look in the tenant's point of view now. The tenant wants to stay on the property as long as possible if they like that property. Rents are going up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Landlords are leaving the sector, right? And unfortunately, the tenant chooses the property. They don't choose the landlord. And if a landlord, for whatever reason, is looking to exit the marketplace because the mortgage rates or Section 24 or whatever, uh, then unfortunately, the good tenant is served a notice and they have to leave. So I think also it's important for the tenant to build a rapport up and a trust, a working relationship with the landlord because, of course... A happy landlord should be a happy tenant. It means they stay. It should be. That's the, the ideal, isn't it? That's what we want to be seeing. Life's not simple, though, is it? Not always, sadly. No, not always. Okay, so now we've got a question from a landlord around uh, damage, which is where the tenant had failed to inform them of a water leak in the bathroom, which has mm. then uh, been going on for some time and has caused right. further damage to the walls and the skirting board yes. and downstairs and whatever. Right. Um, so the question is really about uh, who's responsible for what elements of the damage there? So look, if there's damage at the property, it depends, is it malicious damage or is it obviously genuine damage? The problem is the landlord can't assess the damage unless he's told about the damage. So he's not going to know there's a leak unless the tenant tells him. Mm-hmm. So the landlords will have insurance, okay? They will have landlord insurance, they have home insurance. That will cover, obviously, for flood and, uh, and, uh, and leakages and, you know, and all that type of stuff, and burst pipes. The tenant has an obligation to tell the landlord and tell them sooner. Because obviously if it festers, then it becomes a bigger flood. It could affect, obviously, if you're in a block, it can affect other flats and so forth. So the duty of care is the landlord to carry out the repairs and carry out the leak. That's down to the landlord. The tenant should be telling the landlord of the leak and telling mm-hmm. him soon. If they've told it late in the day, well, what's going to happen is it's, you know, it depends about obviously the insurance terms and looking at the clauses as to what's covered and what access is. But I mean that becomes an insurance claim. So you know, I mean if you know if that was my tenant and I found out the leak was six weeks ago and they've only just told me about it, I'd be fuming. You know, because well, why haven't you told me? You know, it's getting worse. You're, you're causing damage to my property. Okay, it may not have been. Uh, your fault intentionally, but because you haven't told me for six weeks, it's now got a lot worse. worse And And then, of course, it could be so bad, you might have to move out flat. And so would that potentially be grounds for actually evicting somebody? (sighs) It's going to be weak grounds. But the problem is, what will happen is, is, you know, what's the landlord's intentions? How bad is the damage? You know, is it so bad that you need to get vacant possession? Okay, and then the landlords would use Section 21. Mm-hmm. You know, breach of tenancy. There might be a breach there that the, the land that the tenant has to advise the landlord of any accidents or whatever. But they're really weak grounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to go to court on those grounds under Section 8. You know, again, this is down to common sense and communication. You know and educating the tenant and realising that you've got to work. You've got to work on business relationships, and that's what it is. This is a business, you know. So we know that Section 21 is going to be changing at some point this year in any case. Well, it's not this year. It won't change this year. Okay, so the reforms are coming in. At yeah, so, so what happens is, is Section 21 is being abolished. Mm-hmm. So I've been on that working group and I've been talking about it for years and whatever. That will be abolished and grounds of Section 8 have to be updated. Okay, so the 17 grounds, it could be 22, 24 grounds. They have to be made much stronger. There's got to be more mandatory grounds. You've got to have stronger grounds for antisocial behaviour. But I think Section 21 will be banned and abolished within a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, 
you've got to put a, you've got to put a bill together, mm -hmm. and then you've got to get it water sent. You've got to get it through Parliament, you know, and you know how busy politicians are. But it's on it's on the roadmap. It is going to be abolished. I think it will be a couple of years, so maybe it before might be twenty twenty five before when it becomes mandatory. When it does become mandatory and it is banned. Uh, you will see landlords serving notices because they're going to be a bit worried, but you need a court system that works. Mm -hmm. You need stronger grounds, you need mediation, you need more judges, more bailiffs, you need uh, more investment in the courts. But it, at the moment, a lot of landlords are worried that Section 21 going is, is going to be happening to them imminently. So you, you think it's going to be a good 18 months, to yeah, years Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be about 18 right. months. It, don't, don't panic. You know, um, you know, it's been tough for landlords. I, I, I try and look at a bigger picture. You know, we saw a big change with regard to a lot of landlords leaving the sector. But there's a lot of landlords that want to buy, believe you me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's about pricing, you know. Uh, rents are the highest it's ever been. Void periods are non-existent. You've got 20, 30. I spoke to one letting agent, 47 tenants were fighting over one property. Wow. And then it becomes a bidding war. And then actually, landlords are getting the best tenants than ever before. Mm -hmm. The better grade of tenants. So what happened is, with Section 21, uh, You've obviously got the Section 24, you've got EPCs happening down the road. There's a lot more expense there, but actually you've got to look at it this with a bigger picture. I mean, demand for property is sky high. We have a stock shortage. But yeah, Section 21 is going to go, but you need to make sure that you've got the reforms in place before it being abolished. But I mean, you know, landlord selling, uh, tenants still being told by the councils to stay put is a big issue, so mm -hmm. they can be rehoused. Landlords using Section 21 under Section 8, and lots of landlords have been using Section 21 because of antisocial behaviour. Mm -hmm. So the grounds need to be updated, but I say to landlords, don't panic, you know, come onto communities like Mushroom or come onto our website, landlordzone.co.uk, just to find out what's going on and what's happening. Because the whole point of abolishing Section 21 is to give tenants uh, more secure tenancies, mm -hmm. you know, and to live in properties longer. But some of the policies that have been brought in by the government have totally contradicted that because landlords are serving Section 21s on really good tenants mm -hmm. because they're getting out. So, worried about but it. don't panic, just watch and wait and see what happens. Okay, don't panic is always good advice. Don't panic, just watch and wait. Great. Paul Champlina. Pleasure. Thanks ever so much for being with us once again. Paul Champlina. Well, now it's time for this week's Landlord News, and we look at the pressures leading to ever-increasing rents and what the impact of the Rental Reform Bill might mean. Michael Gove's bill has been completely under the spotlight this week, described in the Daily Telegraph as being the final nail in the buy-to-let coffin. And it is fair to say there's been non-stop upheaval in the rental industry since the pandemic. With concerns over ending Section 21 evictions, rising rents and growing licensing requirements, many landlords are choosing to leave the sector rather than deal with the changes. Well, new data from the National Residential Landlords Association, the NRLA, found that in quarter one this year, 33% of private landlords in England and Wales are planning to downsize, 13% up on last year. At the same time, just 10% of landlords are planning to increase the number of properties that they rent out. 67% said that demand for properties from tenants is increasing. All of that means a real deficit in available homes. But are the changes that are being planned by the government, some of which have been waiting for years, destined to fail? Well, one of the UK's leading property experts, Kate Faulkner, OBE, is calling for a complete reset of the sector. 
At the Letting Industry Council's last meeting, Ms Faulkner said, We need a new fair contract. The Renters' Reform Bill won't change anything. We'd be better off stepping back and starting with a different agreement. Ms Faulkner also wants to see the regulation of property agents, saying that would make a real difference, rooting out bad landlords and agents, benefiting tenants and the industry as a whole. She says that the standard Assured Shorthold Tenancy Agreement should be updated and that repair insurance should be standard for landlord insurance. And Ms Faulkner's not alone in her doubts about the reforms, with property lawyer David Smith calling the Renters' Reform Bill a bit of a damp squib. Mr Smith also believes that the government has little to no intention of bringing in anything from the bill except for abolishing Section 21, citing the huge changes attempted in the Renting Homes in Wales Act as evidence that the wholesale reforms are really hard to pull off. Even the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors is warning that the bill will increase the pressure on landlords and force even more out. Ricks feels that rents will continue to rise over the coming year as people compete for fewer properties. Samuel Rees, Senior Public Affairs Officer at Ricks, says that the government's proposed changes will increase pressure on landlords and may force even more to exit the market. The government needs to ensure that proposed reforms to the rental market are delivered in such a way that it increases support for landlords and tenants and maintains and grows supply. Well, what do you think about the proposed changes? Could more be done to support landlords and therefore stabilise the market for tenants? We'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Now let's take a closer look at the pressures leading to rents for properties that are available going up and up because polls are showing that tenant demand is increasing, but so are the numbers of buy-to-let landlords offloading property. New figures from HMRC show that it collected £18.1 billion in capital gains tax in 22-23. That's a huge increase of £7 billion on just two years ago. And this growth looks set to continue as the CGT annual tax-free exemption has already been halved and is set to halve again next year to just £3,000. So many people who might have been planning to exit the market in the next few years are now rushing to bring those plans forward. Research has also shown that in London, rents for smaller properties are growing more rapidly than those for larger homes, which is disproportionately affecting single people and child-free couples over family groups. Meanwhile, in Bristol, one young woman has told the BBC that she is struggling to find a home at all because demand is so high. Beth Rebis says some people are offering to put down a year's rent in advance in order to secure a home. Now, at a time when people are struggling to save for a housing deposit, that's incredibly challenging. What all this shows is the huge importance of landlords to the UK housing market. Not everyone can afford to buy and not everyone wants to. So ensuring that the private rental sector is healthy should be a key factor for government, with a focus on encouraging landlords to stay in the sector to ensure that tenant demand can be met and that rents remain at an affordable level. While you may be considering leaving the sector due to the changes that are coming, it is worth noting that many people in the industry are now calling on the government to do more to support landlords. This is a tricky time, but it is unlikely that the government will allow the current instability to continue because landlords are so key. 
to the sector. Well, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined now by uh, Sunny Demetri, who's a business development manager for mortgages with Mashroom. Thanks ever so much for, for being with Thank us, Sunny. Um, and we're, we're having a bit of a chat about uh, ways you can guarantee your rental income mm -hmm. without going to uh, a rent-to-rent -rent scheme. Yep. We've been hearing some of the issues that can potentially be around that. And of course, at the moment, I mean, rentals are at record highs, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to have problems with arrears. So what do landlords need to be thinking about? I always recommend rent guarantee insurance, although it's not going to guarantee your rent, but if your tenant does stop paying for whatever reason, you know that your income's protected. Mm -hmm. um, because, sorry. I mean, the, the essential issue here is the fact that rents are high. Mm -hmm. That makes it a lot more difficult for some tenants to pay, doesn't it? So actually there's yeah. a greater likelihood of rent arrears at the moment. I think there's definitely a, a higher risk now, because if you increase your rent by 5% but your tenant's wages hasn't gone up by 5% of course there's a greater risk. I think the utility bills you need to have a think about as well as a landlord um, unless it's a HMO your tenant's going to have to find the money for you know for the increased bills as well on top of that so something we'll have to give. Okay I mean clearly there's a lot of things that landlords need to think about. What are the main issues you would recommend them to be doing? Um, I think if you are if you have your insurance coming up that's due for renewal, definitely reach out to a broker. Mm -hmm. The earlier the better. They can search the whole panel of insurers to make sure you know, you're know you getting the best, not only the best price, but for the same level of cover. Because of better. course you get to the end of the year and most insurances will auto-renew if you yep, get them. Yeah, they will, absolutely. Yeah, and I think with everything that's going on at the moment, insurance premiums have gone up anyway, so it's worth having a look around because mm -hmm. quite often you can get a better deal if you actually go back to them than just letting it tick on can't you i think so sometimes yeah but it's worth worth having a look of course and rent guarantee insurance that's another one i know you're you're mm -hmm. keen on making sure that people think about yep why i think with rent guarantee insurance it just gives you a bit of security and peace of mind if your tenant can't pay for whatever reason you know that your rental income is protected mm -hmm. and you can afford your mortgage repayments so I know you're really keen that, that landlords think about rent guarantee insurance mm -hmm. at the moment. Why? I think with rent guarantee insurance, it just gives you that peace of mind and security. If your tenant can't pay for whatever reason, you know that your rental income's protected mm -hmm. and you can afford your mortgage repayments. Is it an expensive thing to have? With Mashroom, our policy is £299 for the year, or you can have it part of our let and protect plan which is 5% of your, of your rental income, but it includes a whole bunch of other necessities as a landlord, naturally you would need anyway. Okay, what, what are they? Um, so you have your home emergency insurance, your eviction and legal expenses, um, your tenant find service included that included in that if you do need to find a tenant. So there's a whole bunch of stuff, it's yeah. useful. Yeah, it's fantastic, it's great, <laughs> great package. <laughs> Excellent. Sunny, thanks ever so much for coming in. Sunny Demetri. Thank you. Well, that's it for the Mashroom Show for this week. Uh, of course, there's going to be another one coming up very shortly, but we'll be back on Friday the 2nd of June for more landlord tips and insights. Don't forget to follow us online and join our Facebook community. And if you want to listen to the show again, then keep an eye on your inbox because the recording will be with you very shortly. But for the moment, goodbye for now. We'll see you again on the 2nd of June.